challenges and successes, hardship and joy, pain and blessings. The dichotomies of life, right? We eagerly embrace successes, joys and blessings, yet we become frustrated when challenges, hardship and pain intersect our lives. But what if the tough times of life are just cleverly disguised opportunities to grow? Resilience, strength, wisdom, courage, and grit are grown when we embrace and choose to learn from those challenging times of life. I invite you to tune your ear to the lessons and insights my guests gained when they fought to overcome the tough times that intersected their lives. Consider how their strategies, mindsets, and habits equipped and empowered them to grow, even thrive, despite the challenges they faced. Welcome to the Challenges Won't Stop Me podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Brown. I'm honored you've chosen to listen to this episode. I believe you will be encouraged and inspired to seek to grow through your challenges. Let's keep moving forward. I am super excited to have my friend Cherie Denna with me today. She is an author, speaker, and writing coach. We met at the Blue Ridge Christian Writers Conference in 2023 and hit it off right away. Welcome, Cherie. Thank you, Melanie. I'm so excited to finally be here with you. I am too. I'm excited about your book launching in February. Oh, yes. It's been a long ride. (laughs) It always is. It always is. Let's start back in your childhood and tell me a little bit about your story. Oh, yes. It's it's been a wild, wild ride. I was born into a family of organized crime. Uh, My mother's side of the family, Sicilian mob, and my father ran with outlaw biker clubs. You marry those those two together. Growing up in that environment, you know, it's normalized because that's all you know. Yeah, right? you don't know that all the other kids in class with you don't do any of those things. <laughs> right. They don't see right. the things that you see. Right. A lot of violence, of course, just massive dysfunction, abuse, a conditioning that took place really not not really intentional but just the nature of the culture of belonging to a mob family and being associated with outlaw bikers everything has to stay within the family nobody outside the family can be trusted mhm as a child was taught and conditioned that I had to keep everything private. I could not discuss any family business, anything that went on inside the home with anyone outside of our family. And there's a lot of families that are that are private anyway, people who are private, but this this went beyond that. I had a lot of childhood friends and a lot when it came to like birthday parties and things like that uh, my mom was always really great about inviting the whole neighborhood and making it a big deal but parents of my friends who saw 
what was going on at our home, they, you know, they would pull their curtains shut and not want to be involved. Yeah. People would literally, when they walked down the street, would cross the street to the other side as to not walk right past our house. I always had a lot of childhood friends, but I found myself wanting to go to their homes where there was peace. Mother, even in all the wildness that was taking place, it was normal to her. Mm. It was normal to her. So fitting in birthday parties or visits with friends with everything else going on around us was not a big deal to her. Whenever I would go to other homes of, of friends, I saw the difference. I saw how they lived very, most of them very peacefully and happy. And then I'd go home to this violence and chaos. And it created a sense of like, I, I didn't fit in. I didn't, I didn't belong. Mm. Um, I couldn't fit into anything normal. Yeah, I didn't. I, it was. It just seemed foreign, and I wanted it so bad. I wanted something good and happy. When I saw that in the families of my friends, I wanted to, of course, spend time there. Yeah. Right? How did you respond emotionally and, I guess, physically to all that was happening in your home? The different activities that were not healthy. How did you respond to those? Well, uh, there was a lot of fear. Mm. I grew up just immersed in fear. And I also was abused by my stepfather, mm. who was is associated with one of the biker clubs. And he was he was appointed as a protector. Biker clubs, there was a war that was taking place for territory. That was in our home, literally. There was a huge war between two rival motorcycle gangs and they prepared for war in our garage. One of the men that was assigned as a protector, he became my stepfather. He married my mom. He began sexually abusing my sister and I, she was, Jamie was a year and a half younger than me. So there was the emotional side Mm -hmm. of fear just grew exponentially. It was really a matter of survival and trying to keep him from exploding because he was just always filled with rage. Sounds like you had some significant issues going on. How did it impact you? Did you act out in any kind of way? Uh, Definitely. My goodness, at the age of 12, I became very sexually promiscuous. I had adult men around me who, and here I was at a very vulnerable age developing. And these, and these men were, there were a lot of predators because I was conditioned sexually from a very young age, starting at the age of seven to, to please men with my body that took hold at a very, at a very young age. And then I began doing drugs. I placed myself in very dangerous, dangerous positions. I had an aunt who was just a few years older than me who had moved in with us. Her and my mom were like, they were just wild. 
you know, at the time my mom was in her thirties, she left my abusive stepfather uh, and now was single. And so we had this environment where they were party girls and they enjoyed younger men. And I was coming into my teens and was boy crazy, only would go toward, lean toward the older, an older guy. That put me in some real dangerous, dangerous situations. And that went on for for quite a while. And in order to overcome all of the pain and the destruction that was going on in my life, I lost myself in my my schoolwork. Which is not really. a bad thing. It doesn't help heal the emotional and physical wounds that you have. Right. I was burying it and trying to find a way to prove to my mom and maybe myself and everyone else around me that I was good. I could ace school yeah, and continue to do well and continue to be the oldest daughter that my mom could brag about and say, this is my perfect daughter. And And I was so far from that. I was so broken inside and I had a lot of rage. I carried a lot of rage in me. I was a fighter. I became very violent myself. Yeah. I know that there was a specific incident with your grandfather. Tell us briefly about that and how that impacted you. My grandfather really was my only protector that I could remember because He's the one that ended up chasing my stepfather away. Literally, my grandfather was involved with the mob. No one was going to mess around with his granddaughter um, or any of his family. And my grandfather ended up uh, murdered, Mm. kidnapped and murdered. I was 13 years old. And it was, they say you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. That's what happened to my grandfather. It was devastating. It was absolutely devastating. And what happened was just whatever he was involved in spilled over into our family, the rest of the family. And after he was murdered, the people that were involved didn't go away. They tried to abduct me when I was on my way to school. They shot at my mother. It was so crazy. My mom finally boarded up our house. And we moved, but it was absolutely devastating. And it just created so many more questions in my mind. If I was safe, if I, if I would ever be safe and the fear that I lived with just continued to grow and the danger in my life continued to grow, no matter what I did, there was, I had no control over any of that, of course. As you get to that age where most kids leave the nest. What happened during that time period in your life and what kind of attitudes and and mindsets carried forward with you as you started your young adult life? Well, I knew I had to get out of there. I had a resilience in me. I wasn't going to let anything destroy me. I I had this fighter spirit in me, and I know I got that from my mom and my father. I had so many losses. A boyfriend was stabbed and murdered when I was 16. I had people, friends dying around me from drug overdose or just being stupid. 
I knew I had to get out of there. I didn't know how I was going to go about it, but I didn't have a relationship with God. I believed in him, but I didn't know anything about Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus. All, all I knew about God at the time was he was a punisher. That was what was what I knew about God, the wrath of God. But I still prayed to him. I just had to run. And I met my first husband at a concert. That was my opportunity to get out, leave home. And I ran and I ran. And how old were you at that time? I was 17. Wow. Young. I'm just envisioning that, that you're seeing him as an opportunity to have a healthy relationship, but also someone who could potentially help get you free from all of the trauma and violence and abuse of your past. Yes. Yes. And I thought I was running from it all. And you can't when you're you can run from the environment, but the after effects of all of the trauma goes with you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't disappear when you know that environment. Right. Here I was now starting my new life, right? I landed a full-time job. I'm around normal, healthy, safe people. My boyfriend, he was very safe. He lived a very healthy, normal life, had a normal family. And I was so amazed at at what I was now being exposed to, a life that I could live without fear. I still carried a lot with me. And, but what I did was I just focused on work. I focused on getting a full-time job, just functioning in society. Yes. How long did that marriage last? I was with him for 17 years. Okay. It lasted a long time and there was a lot of struggle in there. And I battled PTSD. I did not know what it was that was rising up in me and causing rage and and night terrors and you know bouts of depression and, and homicidal thoughts suicidal thoughts uh discovering that I was infertile as a result of the sexual abuse oh goodness and that came up you know when we were trying to start our family and that just brought on a whole nother level of anger and brokenness as far as who I was as a woman. Sure. During that 17 years of marriage, the time period that you did find Jesus, that you discovered that he wasn't just a judgmental God. Right. Uh, Tell me a little bit about that and how that impacted your life. Okay. My best friend from high school uh, had moved away. And when she, she came back a few years later, I saw a new person and she had come to Christ. She became a Christian and she invited me to a women's retreat. She invited me a couple of years in a row and I, and I kept declining because I thought she's just a crazy Jesus freak, right? <laughs> that's, that's okay. No, it's okay. But as I was struggling with PTSD and in this dark, dark place, even though my career was going really well at home at night, and even in my, in my marriage, everything was just falling apart. 
So I reached out to her and I said, I would love to go to that retreat with you. I I need that peace that you have. Yes. And I went and it was absolutely life-changing, of course. For the first time in my life, I felt divine peace and and joy. And it was not like just being happy. It was it was a different yes deeper level of joy and God was real. Jesus was real. And I thought, why didn't I ever know about Jesus? Why why did I know about him long ago? So that set me on a whole different path. I had a way now with, through him, through Christ to, to truly learn who I was born to be. Right. And who I truly belonged to. And I had to share it with my sister. Really, for the first year that I had come to Christ, this urgency rose up in me to, to share Jesus with my sister, Jamie. And so I uh, invited her to church. She didn't want to go. I mean, the enemy was in there. My sister was, you know, addicted to drugs. She was an alcoholic. She suffered with bulimia uh, in very violent relationships. It was horrible watching her. She was suicidal, but she finally did come to church with me. And I watched, I felt God pursuing her. He started, you know, just by working behind the scenes and creating these things that could only possibly be from him. Right. And then uh, finally at the retreat, when she, when she attended with me the very next year, God showed up in a, in a huge way and not just for her, but for the two of us as sisters, as an older sister, I was to protect her my younger sister. Yes. And there was one night I couldn't protect her and our stepfather hurt her severely. And I carried a lot of guilt at that retreat. There was a feet washing and I was washing my sister's feet. Jesus met me in this. It was a very precious moment. And I was just asking forgiveness for treating her badly when we were growing up because there was favoritism. I was the good child. My sister was not the good child. Right. And I, as a, as a child, you kind of feed on that. Like I'm the better one. I always get good grades. I always do well. I found myself asking God for forgiveness and asking my sister for forgiveness and also forgiveness for not being able to help her that night. And what I felt and what I heard in the spirit was so precious The Lord said to me, you may not have been able to help her then, but look at what you're doing for her now. Yes, that's beautiful. She came to Christ and it was a radical, radical transformation in her, her entire countenance. It was, it was so beautiful, but she was also very, very sick physically. I found out that she was only given months to live. I found this out later, but what happened was a a month after she came to Christ, she had an accident and was hit by a car crossing the highway and the Lord took her home instantly. But she knew Jesus. 
talk about your mindset and how having a relationship with Jesus helped you as you encountered these different challenges going forward. Oh, yes. My coping skills or my my coping mechanisms prior to Christ were just sabotaging anything good, including myself. Once Jesus was part of my life, I had someone to turn to, someone to remind me how much I was worth and how much I was loved. I learned a new way of life. We're told as Christians that we're a new creation and all things are made new. The old is gone. That took a while for me to really grasp. And and it certainly didn't happen overnight. And I'm still definitely a work in progress. <laughs> Aren't we all? Definitely <laughs> <laughs> a work in progress. Aren't we all? <laughs> yes. Amen. I now was just focused on learning all I could learn about him and my newfound faith. I did have a lot of obstacles in the way. I still had a lot of, a tremendous amount of trauma that needed to be resolved. And that reared its, you know, ugly head over the years. And, but now I, I knew that God would protect me. And I did become a prodigal at one time. I didn't lose my faith, but I had walked away from God. That led me on a very dark path. He did not stop pursuing me. And that's what he says he's going to do. Absolutely. I ended up recommitting my life to Christ 15 years later after I had first come to him. I said, I need to understand what it looks like to have a relationship with you because I obviously am not getting this right. And he put the Bible in my hand and I couldn't put it down. And I haven't put it down. That's beautiful. Um, he began restoring everything that I had lost. I literally lost everything. Mm. And he, um, except for my daughter, and he began rebuilding and you and and healing me through a lot of lot of different resources, you know, counseling, 12 step, just a lot of recovery time. And then led me into ministry to help others who had suffered the same traumas and and life experiences, I began serving in women's ministry and planted a little biker church years ago. And God bless that. Then he called me to write and he called me to tell about everything that I've witnessed and that everything he's done. So it's just been so beautiful to live in that in the redemption side of the story. I want to make sure we mention before we close out that your book about your story and about how God was such a part of your story will be coming out through Bold Vision Books in early February. It is titled Beloved Outcast, The Quest for True Belonging. Well, Sari, it's been wonderful to have you on the show today. Yes. Well, it's always a pleasure to glorify God. Absolutely. Well, thanks, friend. Thank you, Melanie. I love you dearly. Love you too. 